0: You may be seated, and this is an amazing song, and in the midst of so much going on in the world around us, here's what I want you to be reminded of, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will, we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea Go ahead and let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble, let the waters surge. Boy, we know this, the nations are in chaos and the kingdoms crumble, but God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. A present help in times of trouble. And in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And what I would like for us to do is to spend some time praying together as a church with all the things that are going on in our nation and in our world. And we're going to pray with confidence we're not going to pray with uh, fear. We're not going to pray uh, with just wondering. Listen, we have a God who reigns who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is not scratching his head wondering, oh, no, what are we going to do now? And so as a people of God, we need to know that God is our refuge and strength, and a refuge is only as effective as you run to the refuge. So that's what we're doing this morning is running to the refuge. Because the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And so here's how I'd like for us to spend some time praying. There are three different prayer uh, initiatives that we have this morning. And uh, for those of, uh, of you that are sitting with people that you're uh, comfortable praying with, I uh, want all of us to pray regardless. Uh, but we're going to pray, and I'd ask you just to move together Uh, lean close in together and just pray the initiative that is up on the on the screen in just a moment for those of you online uh, gather around you're already at at home and with your family and lead out in the prayer initiative that's there Uh, if you're by yourself or you're just uncomfortable uh, praying with another group God still hears your prayer so no shame in that uh, but we're going to take enough time for you to be able to, probably two or three of you, to pray uh, together. So the first initiative, I want us to pray for the members of Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and other jihadist groups to come to Christ. And I want you to know, you, you may be aware of this, but more Muslims are coming to faith in the God of eternity. They're coming more faith in Christ today than any other time in Islamic history And most of it is through dreams and visions, that God is actually appearing to them. And so let's pray that God would continue to reveal himself uh, to those. And so if you want to kind of pull together and take just a moment, I'll give you plenty of time to pray before we move to our second initiative. Praying for the members of Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and other jihadist groups to come to Christ. Take about 20 more seconds and we'll move to the second Father, just as you revealed yourself to Saul on the road to Damascus and just as you have revealed yourself over and over, and especially as we know that you are revealing yourself in signs and visions, God, there is nothing too difficult for you. And Father, I pray that miracles would take place, that those who are um, to mean harm, be To our Afghani friends and loved ones, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself and that they would respond in ways that Saul did to you and that you use Saul to become a man after God's own heart. And so, Father, we pray for that. Our second initiative, let's pray for Christians in Afghanistan and across the Muslim world to be protected emboldened, empowered as they share Christ with their neighbors. Uh, Reports are that uh, they're going from door to door, and many times they're taking phones, and if they find any Bible app, uh, there's consequences of that. So as Christians are being dispersed, we want to pray for courage, we want to pray for protection, we want to pray that God would redeem what's going on, so let's pray. Take about 20 more seconds, and then we'll move to our third. Father, it's nothing new for uh, there to be persecution. And the beautiful thing is that you even caused those devastating times for more people to come to Christ. And the church flourishes. I don't always understand all that, but Father, I pray that you would protect... Uh, the believers in Afghanistan. I pray that you would give them courage. I pray that you would overwhelm them with your peace, that your peace would cover all the anxiety of being hunted. I pray you give them creativity in where they go and how they move from place to place. And Father, I pray that as they are dispersed all over, that you would meet every need that they have. Father, we commit them to you. Father, I pray that that you would protect them. Praise in Jesus' name. And then third, let's pray for ministries and missionaries uh, to Afghanistan and those in the Muslim world to be effective and courageous. Let's pray. About 20 more seconds and then we'll pray. Father, thank you for those who have been called uh, to represent you in, in a very difficult place. And Father, how I pray that you would overwhelm them with your peace and your presence. And we pray for protection. I pray that you'd give them courage. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom way beyond their experience and education, that they would hear your voice and that you would use them where you have them. God, I, I pray for us as a church that we would, we would be mindful of what a privilege it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ and that we would be careful uh, to live our lives in such a way that people see Jesus in us. And I pray that you would cause all things to work together for good, because these organizations and these people love you and are seeking you and and we recognize that you are our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. I pray that you would overwhelm them that even though the mountains are shaking and the earthquakes are happening and as the sea roars and things are out of control, I pray that you'd remind them that you're with them and for them, and in them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I would encourage you uh, to be sure and keep praying. I'm sure you do. I uh, came across this statement by Richard Hal- Halverson, the late Richard Halverson. And he said this, Intercession or prayer is, true, is the truly universal work of the Christian no place is closed to intercessory prayer, no continent, no nation, no city, no organization, no office, no power on earth can keep intercession out. And so it matters that you and I pray and we pray uh, with courage and with confidence. Well, good morning. I'm so glad you're here and I appreciate being a part of a church that recognizes there's something much larger than just what goes on in Lincoln. And we're committed to taking the name of Jesus all over the world. And uh, we'll continue to be a church that that recognizes the need to do that. Uh, I I should have been listening more carefully when Katie was uh, doing announcements. Uh, Did she talk about the prayer cards? No? Okay. I am. Uh, Backed by popular demand, meaning me. We have uh, communication cards, and if you do not want to use uh, the Q code code, uh, that's right in front of you, you just put your phone on that on camera, on camera mode, put it on the QR code, and up pops an opportunity for you to communicate with us online. And we check those, and it's important to us, Uh, but some of us are old dogs and it's just easier to write out a prayer request or communicate and so you can take this and let us know how we may, how we may best pray for you and uh, you can drop that in the offering box as you leave leave this morning uh, so we need some good news don't we and john 21 is amazing news And it is fantastic news. So find your Bible uh, and uh, find the book of John. It should be fairly simple to find that. And we're looking at John 21. And in particular, as we look at John 21, as we head towards the fall, I really want you to know this. I am more encouraged than ever before about what's going on at New Cove and actually in the the big church itself. Let me speak for new Cove only at this point. I feel a new Cove is healthier than she's ever been. At the same time, I feel like we're more vulnerable than we've ever been. And the reason I say that, and we'll talk about this uh, in weeks to come, uh, our John series will help lead up to it. But if we're not careful, we can get diverted onto important but not primary things. And so as a church, I want to be able to remind all of us why Jesus Christ set us up to be here at this very particular time, and that all the changes that are going on in the world around us, that there's a place for us, and I feel like New Cove is in a great position for us to be able to impact the world for Jesus Christ. I really believe that, but at the same time, I think we've got to be careful to make sure that we've... Focus and, my, and major on major and minor on minors, and so I thought about what what would Satan love to do? What would the evil one love to do? He'd love to divert us to get us caught up into things that don't matter. And so, John twenty one is a passage that we'll get to if I'll hurry up and quit talking so much at this point. But John twenty one, Peter is in a very bad situation. I'll give you the background of John twenty one. Because uh, three years earlier in John 20, uh, before John 21 took place, uh, three years earlier, Matthew 4 18 to 21, day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter, and Andrew his brother, throwing a net into the water, uh, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets, and at once followed him, so Peter is involved in what he 's good at, and God calls him to something greater than just that and He leaves his nets and he follows Jesus a little later on in during that year matthew sixteen peter's still a brand new uh, follower of Jesus when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked the disciples who do people say that I am? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well some say you're John the Baptist some say Elijah others say Jeremiah uh, or one of the other prophets and then he asked them but who do you say that I am? Now here's Simon, who said, I'm going to follow you. I'll leave what I'm good at and go to do something that you are going to call me to do. Simon Peter and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because the Father, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock of that Jesus is the son of God, the son of the living God, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Peter is flying on all, he's running on all cylinders. He's following Jesus. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, well, you're the son of God. You're the one who 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 made everything, and you're the one who deserves all praise and all glory, and you're the one in whom we put our hope and trust. And he says, You bingo, and you, you this wasn't revealed to you by any any man, but God Himself revealed this to you. So Peter is doing great. Okay. Fast forward three years, the night before Jesus is to be crucified, Jesus replied to the disciples, I tell you the truth. And then he speaks to Peter, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. A couple hours later, verse 69, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard after Jesus had been arrested. Server, servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those Jews, uh, you were one of those Jews, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. Strike one. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around this man was with Jesus of Nazareth 70, verse 72 again Peter denied at this time with an oath I don't even know the man he said strike two a little later some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said you must be one of them we can tell by your southern accent thank you Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Strike three. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. He denies Jesus. At one point, he said, I'll follow you and do whatever you want me to do. Later on he says, you are the son of the living God, the one who created it all. You deserve all praise and all, you're, you're worthy of my worship. And said, God revealed that to you. That's amazing. And then later he says, I will not deny you and yet when the opportunity came, he denied him. Now I don't I don't want to give Peter more of a difficult time without saying this. We all do the same. We have opportunity, and, and, and I'm old enough that I remember back, uh, speaking of Southern, in the Southern churches, we have what is called revivals, and we have week-long meetings, and I hear, I use this term uh, and you'll hopefully understand it I rededicated my life to God probably 30 times <laughs> and and we would have altar calls and we would come down and I was already a follower of Jesus Christ at the age of 8 but I made commitments to Christ and and I would say I'm all in I'm all in, I'm all in and then life happens and my commitment to Christ would fall to the side. I didn't deny him in terms of saying, I'm not a follower of Jesus anymore, I just had other priorities. And then revival would happen at our church, a revival speaker, and I'd come down the aisle and say, oh man, I, I messed up and, and I want to pursue Jesus and that would last for a little while. Then get involved in youth group and go on retreats and, and again those were meaningful events But I'm no different than Peter, and you and I are no different than Peter. And some, this morning, you wonder, have I gotten so far away from God that he can't use me anymore? Maybe he's called some of you to speak up, and he's called you um, to be a light wherever you are. And for whatever reason, that light has been dimmed. was talking to one of our church members a while ago, and and he's in a small group. And and every week his prayer request for this men's group is, God, I, I, I want God to use me in my profession, that the people that I see will come to know Jesus. And I want to be in I think, oh, man, how many of us have forgotten that God has placed us exactly where he wants us for such a time as this? And the people he has around you are the ones that need Jesus. And yet we can get so caught up in important things, but not the most important things. Good things. But the light that we go to share for Jesus has been dimmed. And so the question comes, Is have I committed so much apathy that God can't use me anymore? Well, this story is an amazing story. So Peter has denied Jesus three times. Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. And in the passage that we're about to look at, Jesus has appeared to the disciples two different times and is about to appear to them a third time. But according to what I've seen in Scripture, there's not any place where Peter and Jesus have come face to face. So you talk about awkward. So this, in John 21... From what we can tell, Peter's not had an interaction with Jesus yet, even though Jesus has appeared to the disciples two different times. Okay, John 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing We'll come along, They all, we'll come along, they all said, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Now, remember, Peter was called to fish for men, not to fish for fish. In fact, it was kind of put like this, follow me because I have a plan and a purpose greater than you catching fish. We're not exactly sure why. Peter returned to his old job. Maybe he just felt like, you know what? I'm a three-time betrayer. And so there's no hope for me. I've messed up royally. And I don't know if you feel like that. Whatever, whatever sin, whatever thing you've done or not done, and you just feel overwhelmed with guilt and shame, and you think, I might as well go back to what's familiar. I heard it put this way from Louis Giglio. When that happens... Some go to a familiar place, even though the familiar place isn't part of Jesus' call on your life. You go to a place you know, and you know all too well. You go to the place that's easy to go to, but seldom beneficial. It might not be a return to gross sin, but merely a place where you think you can do life without God. Perhaps the grossest sin of all. In a place like this, it's hard to believe you can ever be restored. But I've got amazing news for you. Restoration is available. This story talks about it. In fact, let me just quickly refer to Revelation 2, that could be a story about everyone in this room. I don't know. But I had this complaint against you: you don't love me like you used to. It's for whatever reason, you've just drifted away, and it's not that you hate. God, It's just, you've just gotten caught up in other things. And you've drifted and you're not as committed to Christ as you used to be. Verse 5, here's how restoration takes place. Look how far you've fallen. Remember where you, what it used to be like when you were committed to Christ. Turn back to me. That's another, the word is repent, an about face. So remember where you've fallen and repent. And then engage. Do what you know what you should do, which is listen and obey. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. That's why we ask you every week to spend time in God's word to let God speak to you. Let him listen and then obey. Well, at, Back to verse 4. As, as, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. The disciples couldn't see who he was. He's about 100 yards out. He calls out, hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. They said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it, 153 fish. You think, I, I think I know this story. Yeah, three years earlier, right before Peter became a follower of Jesus, he's fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing and Jesus said, you caught anything? Nope, Well, throw your nets on the other side. And I heard it put this way, the distance between separation and reconciliation is the width of the boat. Or another way to put it, we're never far from reconciliation. This is Warren Wiersbe. We're never far from reconciliation when we permit Jesus to give the orders. We're usually closer to reconciliation than we realize. What's the difference? The difference is just Jesus. That you put your eyes on Jesus. You listen and obey. One side of the boat, they're doing their own thing. Jesus says, throw nets on the other side. They throw the other side, and Jesus shows up in a huge way. Peter and the disciples were given the opportunity to follow Jesus' voice, and you and I have the opportunity this morning to listen and obey because God has huge plans for you. He has huge plans for New Cove. If we will listen and obey. Listen and obey. He's saying to Peter, "Follow me, even now, even here, even when you've gone back on back to your old ways. I'm here." Verse seven. The disciples, the disciple Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, "It's the Lord." When Simon Peter heard that it was Lord, he put it, put on his tunic, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the, pulled the load, uh, loaded net next to the shore. When they were about a hundred yards from the shore, they, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And then Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've caught. Isn't that interesting? Jesus provides a miracle, and then he also says, bring what you have. And that's what he'll always call us to do. I'm gonna do more than what is needed but I want you to bring what you have, little or not. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the, the net hadn't torn. Verse 12, now come, have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them. Again, look at this, this is amazing. Jesus served Peter. Served them bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. Jesus was not there to interrogate Peter. He was there to initiate re-engagement. Have some breakfast. And that's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. Want to have some breakfast? After all, that's the most important meal of the day. <laughs> have some breakfast. Peter had denied Jesus during the time of Jesus' great need, and now Jesus has every right to shame him, to say, what's up with three? But what does he say? He says, have some breakfast. I care about you. Jesus is inviting you to breakfast. And often we adopt the voice of the accuser and we say, I can't come to breakfast because I'm not cleaned up enough. I've messed up. And Jesus is not concerned about the depth of the mess up. He's concerned about your heart that you would look to him. He's inviting you to breakfast. Now I've been speaking to all followers of Jesus this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus, let me tell you what you have some great news. 1 John 1, 9, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins. Come to Jesus this morning. Come to breakfast. For those of us who are followers of Jesus who have drifted, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who look to Jesus. No shame Come to breakfast. Jesus does not shame us. He forgives. He redeems. He restores. Now the voice of the evil one says, yeah, but look how bad your sin was. Psalm one hundred three twelve. 12, he's removed our sins as far as east is from west. Wow. Listen and obey. What does the Bible say? The Bible says he's forgiven you. He loves you. There's no shame and as far as east is from west, he remembers our sin no more. So when you keep bringing it up, he's going, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen and obey. John 21, 13, Jesus served them the bread and served them the fish. He served them breakfast. Come to breakfast. You're invited to Breakfast. Jesus, the extraordinary, meets you in the ordinary to cast a vision of the supernatural. And that's what he's calling you to is the supernatural, which means you've got to look to Jesus for supernatural to happen. And I want you to respond this morning by accepting the invitation to breakfast, And we've provided breakfast. I'd like for you to find the uh, the communion. And if you... I'll let you struggle with opening it. And as you receive communion this morning, would you just simply accept God's invitation to come to breakfast? If you've never given your life to Jesus, as you take the wafer and, and, and eat it in just a moment, let that represent you're accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross, that he died on the cross for you. If you're already a follower of Jesus as you eat the bread, Give thanks that all your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future, as far as east is from west, he remembers it no more. Come to breakfast. The body of Jesus broken for you. Father, thank you that there's no condemnation For those who receive you and who live in you. and Father, I pray that that we would meet you in the ordinary and allow the extraordinary to take place. The supernatural to take place because we put our hope and trust in you. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And as you drink of the cup, be reminded... Jesus died for you and his blood covers your sin. Nothing you and I can do to get closer to God. It's all what he did for us. All we do is accept it. I accept it. The body and blood of Jesus broken for us and spilled for us. Father, thank you. That seems a bit trite just to say thank you, but thank you for loving us and giving your life for us and pursuing us and that you have plans to give us a future and a hope. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our response this morning would be that you have received Jesus. If this is your first time to make your commitment to Jesus, will you please let us know whether you go through the QR code or on the card, put your name and a way for us to contact you. I would love to spend some time talking to you about what it means to know Christ. Um, if you have questions, there are places for you to be able to respond, to let us know. Uh, our Bible reading this plan, if you're using version, which by the way, thank you we live in a place where we have freedom that we can have the phone app on our phone. And uh, if you're using version, we have a Bible reading plan, Commitment, Recommitment, that will be a good place to get started as we commit to Christ. So uh, listen to this next song and let the words speak to you this morning.